This morning, we will be in 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19 is where we're going to be in the message this morning. And we're looking at a story of a young king in the Old Testament named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah knew exactly where he was, who he was with, and he probably even knew what he was wearing. He remembered what he was wearing when he received a letter from the king of a huge neighboring nation stating that unless he surrendered immediately and unconditionally, this enemy army from this neighboring country was going to come in, was going to invade Jerusalem, was going to kill every man, woman, and child. Was going to run them through with the sword. King Hezekiah, in this moment, is only 39 years old. And he knows that this crazy neighboring king has the troop strength to do what he was threatening to do. King Hezekiah realizes the full weight of what he was reading in this letter. I can imagine that he probably read it. He probably reread it and he probably read it again. And he probably got to the part where it said that every man, woman, and child would be run through with a sword. And he probably read that a few times. And Hezekiah came to this realization that my only hope in this deal, my only hope is God. That's my only hope. It's God or a massacre. It's God or total destruction, total extinction. Either God steps in or it's lights out for everyone that I know and love. Before I read what Hezekiah is going to do, let me ask you, have you ever received terrible news in your life? Such terrible news that it rocked you to the core. Such terrible news news that you can remember right where you were when you received it. Had you, have you ever had your life wrecked by a medical report, by a lawsuit, by a foreclosure notice. And you say to yourself, I will never forget that morning. I will never forget that evening. I will never forget that knock on the door. Some of you remember being served divorce papers. And you're like, are you kidding me? Really? I thought we were still talking. You open up the envelope and there's these papers and you say, really? 24 years and these papers? Some of you remember where you were when you realized your business partner took off with the money. Or when your wife took off with another man. Some of you have had news hit you like a sledgehammer. So much so, in one split split second, you, t- you came to the total clarity that your only hope is God. The only way I'm going to make it through this deal, the only way I'm going to survive is if God comes through. There's no plan B, uh, uh, C, or D that's going to get me out of this mess. Either God's going to step in or it's lights out for me. You know, again, if you've ever had things like this happen to you, and I have, 
you remember where you were, who you were with, what time of the day it was, and you probably remember even what you were wearing. Hezekiah receives this threatening letter that just knocks the wind out of him. And 2 Kings 19 verse 14 tells us what he did. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. Man, I love this picture. He takes this letter, he takes the letter itself, this threatening letter from the enemy king, and he runs to the house of the Lord and he spreads it out before the Lord. And he says, God, this problem is too big for me to handle. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I need you to read this whole letter. I need you to read every paragraph, every sentence. God, I need you to read every word of this letter. Because I can't handle this alone. I I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. I so appreciate Hezekiah's vulnerability and his dependency on God. And then the text says, after he spread the letter out before God, he begins to pray. Let me ask you, have you ever laid your problems out before God? Literally laid them out before God? Maybe it was more bills than you could afford that month? Have you ever laid them out before God and said, God, I I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need you to come through. I need you to provide. I need you to bless. I'm going to read a summarized version of his prayer. And this is how it begins. I find it very fascinating. Verse 15 says, O Lord, enthroned on high, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Do you know what he's doing right there? Have you ever taken the time to do what he's doing right there? Do you recognize what he's doing as he starts this really important prayer? He's reminding himself of who God is. He's reminding himself how majestic, how powerful, and how awesome God is. He's reminding himself that God is in control. Hezekiah is doing everything he can to fill up his faith tank. Hezekiah knows there's a huge difference difference in wishing some God would do something and believing that your God has sufficient power to do anything he decides to do. Absolutely anything. God has that kind of power. Hezekiah is reminding himself of who God is. Man, God spoke the worlds into existence. He flung the stars into space. Surely he has the power to handle this crazy king wielding a sword. Hezekiah understands something that we all need to understand. Faith is really critical to effective prayer. Faith is really critical to effective prayer. He takes responsibility to fill up his faith. You know, there's times that I have to do this myself. Because if I don't fill up my faith 
my prayers turn into half-hearted wishes that probably disgust God. I have to, I have to take time. Otherwise, I'm just throwing up wishes, kind of throwing them up north. Not really believing in my gut that God is going to do something about these prayers that I'm praying. A lot of times they're mindless and thoughtless because my faith is just void. So I have to take time to review, to remember the power, the majesty, and the awesomeness of the one whom I'm praying to. If not, I get to the point where it's mindless and heartless. I get to the point where I'm not expectant. I'm not expecting really in my gut that God's going to do much about it. When I am desperate to see God work in my life, I not only review that God is my creator and my sustainer, I not only review that He is the the one that is controlling the universe, but I also reflect and I remember how God has answered my prayers in the past. I have to take time to remember what God has done. what What God has done in my past. And he allowed me to, to marry this gorgeous woman right here. Oh yeah, I was praying for a godly wife and he answered that prayer. And he gave me four wonderful boys, one whose birth was a miracle. He was expected to die and he lived. And God, God came through. God came through. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Man, so many times where I wanted to quit and I wanted to throw in the towel and I'm like, I can't take this anymore. And God gave the grace needed for me to be able to rise up, to dust off and say, all right, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember now. God came through. God came through and he provided financially so that we could pay our bills. We have never gone without putting bread on our table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God has provided every step of the way. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, my faith begins to build. It begins to strengthen. And now my prayer life is with much more confidence. Now I'm praying with expectancy because I remember how God has worked in the past. You know, there's times also that I look through the Scriptures to see how God has worked all throughout history. God has always brought people to the edge. He brought the children of Israel to the edge of the Red Sea, and there's this big sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's armies behind them. They are doomed. But God made a way. He parts the sea. They live to see another day. He brought His people to the edge of the river, and He said, hey, take a step of faith. Take a step in the river. I'll make a way. They step in the river and God parts the river. Man, all throughout Scripture, we have seen God work in miraculous, amazing ways. He is faithful. He's good. He always comes through. I begin to remind myself of these things and I begin to look at His Word and and it fills up my faith. And now I'm praying with confidence. I'm not praying with doubt or faithlessness. I'm praying with faith and confidence and expectancy. You know, there's also times where I reflect back on the time when God found me, 
supernaturally when God saved me as a 13-year-old boy at a little camp in Hesperus, how God supernaturally called me into ministry and how He has supernaturally guided my life. And when I remember what God has done in my life, man, it fills up my faith. And then I can say, Oh God, You have the power to handle this concern. You have the power to handle this problem I'm facing. And I bring it to you now. I lay it out before you now, Father. So I ask you, God, please handle it. Please take care of it. You know, when you start your prayer life with adoration towards God, it reminds you how massive He is, how powerful He is, how He has delivered His people all throughout history. And when it comes to the time in your prayer that you begin to ask God for this or that, you can say, yes, God can handle this. God can handle this. Of course He can handle this. And then you lay the need before Him with faith, believing He will be able to do something about it. Church, if you have never tried this, and I strongly encourage you to fill your faith tank before you ask God to do something. Man, pray with faith. Pray expecting. Pray with confidence. It will change the way you pray. Now let's go back to Hezekiah's prayer. Verse 19. After he's reminded himself of who God is, he says, Now, Lord our God, listen to the simplicity of this prayer. He says, Deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. He's in the temple. He's got his letter spread out before the Lord, and the enemy king is going to attack and wipe out the whole city of Jerusalem. And and he simply says, God, deliver us from this king. Hezekiah does something in the 6th century B.C. that the Apostle Paul in the 1st century instructs all of us to do throughout all the centuries, which is Philippians 4, 6. Would you simply let your requests be made known to God? When it comes time to see God do what you want Him to do, when it comes time to ask, would you simply let your requests be made known to God? Ask Him. Lay it out before Him. Let your requests be made known to God. You don't have to go on and on and on. You don't have to use any flowery language or any deep theological language to connect with Him in a deeper way. There's no groveling needed. You don't have to use beads. You don't have to use candles. You don't have to have any clergy present when you pray to God. You have been invited by the God of the universe to simply and sincerely let your requests be made known to God. Hezekiah said simply, God, would you please deliver us from this evil king? The next part in Hezekiah's prayer is a critical piece. 
He says, God, deliver us from His hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that You alone, Lord, are God. Two words set the tone for this prayer. And the two words are so that. Many great prayer warriors in the Scriptures use those two words, so that, in their prayers. Hezekiah didn't pray, Lord, deliver us from this evil king so that I can keep my job. So that I don't have to give up Air Force One, you know, and all the perks that come with being king. He's not praying, Lord, deliver us from the attacking enemy so that I don't look like a failure. He's not saying that. He says, now, O Lord our God, deliver us from His hand so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that You alone are God. So that all the kingdoms on the earth may know that You alone are God. You know, one of the most sobering verses on prayer in all the scriptures is James chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, when you ask or pray, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Listen very carefully, church. Listen very carefully. God is not your divine butler. God is not your rich uncle that you call when you need some money. God's main goal for our lives is not to make us healthy, wealthy, thinner, and happy. God's main goal is to conform us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. God's main goal is to grow us up to be strong men and women of faith. God's main goal is to shape us and to form us and to set us apart for the grand vision of redeeming and restoring this fallen world. And Hezekiah understood this. He got it. His motives were awesome. His motives were pure. His prayer reveals how much he got this. He wanted all the kings and all the kingdoms to worship God. That was his motivation. Can I ask you, when you pray, are you just rubbing the genie bottle, hoping he pops out and you get three wishes? Or is there a so that in your prayer life? Are you praying prayers so your life will be more comfortable, more cushy? Or is there anything about the glory of God that you're concerned about? And if you can work out the so that in your prayers, it really helps to keep your motives straight. When your so that is worked out, you can pray with enormous confidence. Have you ever put your prayers to the so that test? How many of your prayers are just selfish to the core? It's all about you. Praying So that prayers can be very humbling, honestly, church. It exposes some dark spots in your heart. It has in mine. 
this little so that filter can purify your prayers and you'll begin to pray with a faith and with a confidence you've never had before. When you know that your prayers are pure and that your prayers are bringing glory to God. Can I give you a couple examples just to kind of help us understand this even further? You know, most of you will get up tomorrow morning and go to work. And what's an appropriate prayer for work? Help me at work today, Lord, so that everyone will know that Christ followers can play at the highest levels in this organization. And may they be drawn to you in some way. Help me to work my best today, God, so that people will be drawn to you. What what about those of you who are facing medical issues? God, give the surgeons great skill and concentration as I have surgery so that I can return to full health and full service to your purposes in this world until my final breath. You know, many of you are praying for your kids. God, bring my 24-year-old son back to his childhood faith so that he can be secure in your love and live a life that brings you glory. How about when you pray for your church? God, keep pouring out your power and your favor on our church so that people far from you in our community would shake their heads in wonderment and be motivated to explore your existence, to explore your word, and maybe come to church someday to experience your love. You know, so that prayers help us remember that it's not all about me. But it's about God's glory. It's about God's purposes. It's about God's movement in this world. You know, on the back of the bulletin, on the sermon notes, I gave you some starter so that prayers. Just to kind of prime the pump for you. And I want to encourage you, church, to practice. Practice your so that. You're basically asking, why am I praying this prayer? Why Am I praying for the safety of my kids? Why am I praying that God blesses me financially? Why am I doing this? So that. And when you get your so that figured out, man, it helps to purify your prayers. So that prayers help you to explore the motives behind your prayers. And once again, it will help to purify your prayers. And you'll be able to pray with great confidence, knowing your prayers will glorify God. So back to the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah has just laid his concerns out before God, and guess what happens just after he finishes that prayer? God sends a prophet into the temple who taps Hezekiah on the shoulder, and he tells Hezekiah, God's got this. God heard your prayer, and God's got this, Hezekiah. And I'm sure Hezekiah thought to himself, Sweet. Okay. All right. I hear you. But I'm going to go sound the trumpet. I'm going to go rally the troops. And I'm going to go prepare for battle. And the prophet says, no, Hezekiah, no, no, no. You didn't hear me. God's got this. Here's the exact quote. 2 Kings 19 and verse 31. 
the zeal of the Almighty God will accomplish this. This is one of those times, Hezekiah, that you don't even have to lift a finger. The zeal of the Almighty God will accomplish this. Some of you know what happened. That night, God sent one angel, one angel, not a hundred angels, not a hundred thousand angels, one angel. God sent one angel into the enemy camp and decimated the entire enemy army. 185,000 soldiers met their maker that night. I want to remind you, there is a powerful God. There is only one true God in this world. And through Christ, you're His friend. Through Christ, you're His friend. You're His friend. There's no one who would rather come to your assistance than our great God. There's no one who would rather meet the needs in your life than our great God. And He has the power to do it. He has the power. I'm going to invite the musicians to come up on stage this morning and at the bottom of, of the bulletin there, you, you see that there's a challenge to the men. It is Father's Day. And men, let me just say that we, we need your prayers. The scripture says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. It accomplishes much. Ladies, we need your prayers. Children, we need your prayers. But I wanted to take just a moment to focus in on the men. This morning I want to give a, a special challenge to the men. I, I want to challenge you and I want to pray for you. And let me just give you a heads up. This is going to be awkward. Okay? This is going to be a little bit awkward for you. It's okay. You'll be all right. I'm going to ask all the men to actually get up from their seats and we're going to walk out and turn left and go into the little cafe or the cafe room. Because I, I just wanted to talk to you for just a few moments face to face. I want to just say some things to you men this morning and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. It won't be long. You won't get hurt. I just need to say some things to you. Eyeball to eyeball. And I want to pray for you this morning. My beautiful bride's going to come up and she's going to lead the ladies in prayer and say a few things. So men, uh, let's go. If you would, please.